Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Sin's Chat Corner. Um, I inadvertently forgot to tell my listening audience last week that I would be taking a week off due to my intensive ongoing, so it would seem, work relative to the fundraiser in which I'm doing. As most of you know, I have been attempting over the course of the last three months to prepare for a charity fundraiser, which is being done for the benefit of the Wisconsin Breast Cancer Coalition here in town. Um, I wanted to throw out there that I am still in the process of looking for individuals who wish to participate in said event due to some rather disturbing circumstances beyond my control. We have now needed to push back the date for our event. Therefore, in lieu of the original October 20th date, we're going to be looking at December 1st. Time will still be the same, excuse me, from 7 to 11 p.m. And at present, um, I'm still looking for just a few tiny little items, um, just to make things a little tighter. I'm still seeking to find a few volunteers. Um, It wouldn't hurt to have one more additional vendor to actually do this. And unfortunately, the opera singer, which we had affiliated with the event, is no longer going to be participating due to an actual scheduling conflict. So I'm looking for some music, I'm looking for some volunteers, and certainly uh, we could always use silent auction or raffle items. Just to reiterate once again, I will give you all of my contact information so that you can find me. I can be emailed directly at cin4251 at gmail.com. I can be reached on my show page, which is, of course, Sin's Chat Corner on Blog Talk Radio, where you can leave me a message. On Facebook, we actually have a page for the show, Sin's Chat Corner. You can leave me a message there. My personal Facebook page is Cindy, last name M-I-C-H. And, of course, as always, you can go to Twitter, which I am on, and my handle there is at S-A-N-D-B-1-1-1. So, of course, if you happen to know of anyone, have any suggestions, you can offer any form of assistance, I'd be more than happy to have you facilitate that request. So certainly keep that in mind. Uh, I want to let everyone know that tonight's guest, which I'm amazingly excited about, is a gentleman by the name of Gerard McNamee, Jr. I actually didn't know a whole lot about this fellow until I started researching him just a couple of days ago. And thank you very much. Shout out to Bridget, of course, my dear friend who lives in New York, who actually set up and arranged this interview. So thank you, Bridget, for taking the time to approach me to interview this fine fellow. Um, We're going to be getting an opportunity to talk to Gerard. He's got a couple different ventures here. First of all, he serves as the GM for what I have to say is the longest-running nightclub in New York, In addition to which, he's actually dabbed into the uh, acting pool here, and he's now gotten a lead role in a production called Hip Priest, which we're going to be discussing as well. In addition to which, just trying to find out what his future endeavors are going to be. Kind of the man behind all of the chaos is what I would call it, just in looking at his life and all of the things he's accomplished. Um, Sounds like it'll be an absolutely amazing interview. So in a couple minutes, he'll be joining us. And just as a heads up, in case anyone will be um, looking forward to tomorrow's interview, we have Michelle Hutchins, and she is actually uh, what they would call a psychic medium, but she's a, she's a clairvoyant, she's a psychic medium, she is just amazing. She has a number of different fields that she studies in. It's a very technically involved type psychic medium, I guess for lack of a better term. She, her specialty goes into different areas, so... I'm really excited to get a chance to talk to her. They actually called her the Mile High Medium. So I'm interested. Hopefully tomorrow night you'll be able to tune in. She'll be on 6.30 Central Standard Time, so we'll actually get an opportunity to be able to uh, listen to her. I'm going to try to see if I can coax her into actually telling me what my future holds because I'm very intrigued to find out if there will be good things happening for me. As always, I encourage my listening audience to call in just to ask questions or if you have any sort of um, just life issues, things that you want to find out about from her. She's a very knowledgeable woman, as I understand it. So certainly feel free to tune in tomorrow. And thanks again, Kevin, to her publicist as well for uh, setting up and arranging that interview. Next matter of business. Uh, I think I've mentioned this in the past episodes before, but I am in process of starting to film a documentary about pi- excuse me, bipolar individuals. I myself, in case you have not listened before, have been an ongoing bipolar patient since the age of 17. Now I'm being 43 years old. Um, I'm starting to realize the relevance and also the lack of awareness and education in society as it relates to bipolar disorder. 
it's become a pet project for me, and uh, over time I've just realized that uh, it's time that someone started doing something, putting some time and effort and energy into a project such as this. So I'm actually going to be filming three individuals in addition to myself, along with uh, Valerie Krusilek, who is the uh, individual who lives in New Jersey who actually suffers from bipolar and is a friend of our show. Um, basically what I'm looking for is anyone out there that might have editing skills as it relates to filmography would definitely be helpful. I could certainly use an intern and maybe one or two volunteers relative to the project. We are looking at commencing filming within the next, um, I'd have to say, maybe a week or so. So it would be helpful uh, to try to get any form of assistance or maybe questions or maybe hear from other individuals who suffer from bipolar disorder that might actually uh, need to get some assistance or have a listening ear or maybe have something to contribute to the project. I'd greatly appreciate it. For those requests, um, I have two different email addresses you can send the information to. My general box would be cin. 4251 at gmail.com, in addition to which my personal email, which is cindy.mich at yahoo.com, and in addition to which, as I mentioned, it's going to be about a week or so before we actually start the filming, so certainly there is a little time that we can play with here. Feel free to get in contact with me at any time in reference to helping, because we always appreciate that 100-fold, I have to say. Um, my next request out to my listening audience, and of course I know not all of you live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, but usually when I have friends in need or I have uh, certain individual things that are important or special to me, I do like to bring it to my audience's attention. I have a very dear friend of mine um, who uh, is going through a tremendously difficult time. Her family is having some physical difficulties, and she's literally halfway around the world trying to take care of her parents right now. Um, she's an amazing individual. I, I speak very highly of her. I have a great respect for her. And I know she's having a very difficult time. I was very fortunate to be able to get a chance to speak with her the other day, and um, she just she sounds very worn, very tired. She just has a modicum of courage that just speaks volumes about herself. And um, so what I'm asking of all of you is if you can send just very positive energy, thoughts and prayers to my dear friend, Demetra, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, fortunately, she'll be coming back home to us next week, so I'm very excited. I'm lucky to be able to get to see her husband this coming weekend, which I'm excited about because uh, he could certainly use some good thoughts and prayers as well. So certainly, I would appreciate any any kind of positive energy that you could send in their regard is always greatly appreciated. So definitely, please feel free to do that. Um, next matter of business I want to throw out there, which I do on occasion, is obviously I orchestrate and market and do my entire show myself. It's an undertaking that I love because writing is my passion, and this is something I've wanted to do forever. And now I'm very fortunate that I am doing it, and from what I'm told, pretty successfully. Um, but there comes a point in time where the host herself has to throw out to the listening audience what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? I guess I'm kind of curious to get your feedback. Um, I have maintained a format of I do charities on occasion, and that could be all within the 50 states. I typically try to do A-list celebrities to D-list celebrities, meaning the most popular to the least popular in society eyes. I do a lot of reality television interviewing, obviously. You know that the Real Housewives are friends of mine um, in addition to some of the other reality shows. But I'm curious just to get audience input in terms of who would you like to see on the show? Is there an unknown individual who's a musician, per se, or an individual who uh, may not necessarily get as much recognition, uh, whether it be musically, artistically, um, someone that's just started a new show? I'm very fortunate in the next coming months I'm going to be getting one of the stars of that very recent Marilyn Monroe television show that was on last year. I believe it's called Smash. Um, very intriguing show. Uh, produced by Steven Spielberg. We're lucky that we're going to be getting Kathleen McPhee on the show, so I'm very excited about that. But it doesn't necessarily have to be a celebrity, per se. So again, I'm throwing out the floor here and saying I'm excited. I am uh, looking forward to all these new interviews, but I'm still looking for ideas. So again, um, if you want to submit those either to my Sins Chat Corner studio page show, which is, of course, on Blog Talk Radio, uh, additionally, we have the Sins Chat Corner page on Facebook, of course. So I prefer you to send those suggestions over or even just pass the word along to friends of yours just to kind of let them know that I'm out there and um, I'm always looking for interesting and new interviews. So definitely keep that in mind as you're uh, listening to the show. Just as a word for Friday morning, we're going to be having a Wisconsin nonprofit organization coming on, which is Threads of Hope. 
Threads of Hope, in a nutshell, basically um, has individuals from third world countries. And what they do is basically come up with their own different neat ideas for bracelets, you know, and a lot of it is just threading different materials together, different types of things, whether it be beads, string. And they're just, they're very simplistic. They're very small, almost similar to like the breast cancer um, bracelets that you would see. And they're very economical in price. They're only about $2. And then basically what happens is they take the profits they turn around and they send that off to whatever third world country has produced said materials. I mean, I find that uh, innovating. I find it to be very heartwarming, and I think it's something that we need a lot more exposure for. So I'm very happy to report that Joey's coming on the show Friday morning at 10 a.m. I'm hoping to give him some more exposure. Uh, additionally, he's been kind enough to offer to uh, send his product to my upcoming fundraiser for breast cancer. So I'm very excited about that. Um, we're very lucky to be having some of the certain nonprofits on here. And, of course, obviously, as we get closer to my event, uh, Dawn with the Wisconsin Breast Cancer Coalition will be coming on air to talk about her uh, new initiative for breast cancer. So we're excited to hear about that. And additionally, I'll be having on just a few of the different vendors, the musicians that are going to be participating. I'm very excited to report that my very dear friend, Matt Tyner, who is actually a local musician, I'll give you his website information in case you're interested to catch one of his shows. He's just an amazing talent, both himself along with everybody in the band. Whether you see him acoustically by himself or whether you go to one of their performances, very impressive to me. The man very rarely, if ever, practices, and he comes out with just amazing product over and over. He's very heartwarming as it relates to his audience. He's very friendly, another A-list type guy, Uh, www.mkecarpetbaggers.com. I'm happy to report that I am linking him up with one of my publicist friends. There's an artist by the name of Doug Briney who actually is in Alaska currently, and he's done a lot of different work uh, as far as with winning things in the Independent Music Awards. And so we're trying to work on getting Matt Tyner a collaboration of a duet form with Doug Briney. And certainly Doug Briney, by the way, is on Facebook. That's D-O-U-G-B-R-I-N-E-Y. Go ahead and check out some of his stuff. Amazing guy, amazing talent. He's also a preacher. He's been a friend to our show, obviously, in the past. He's been kind and gracious enough to donate to my fundraiser as well. Definitely a very different sound that you need to check out. Him as well as my friend Brian Cole, of course, who is also a country singer. So definitely go ahead and check them out. Very excited to report that news about Matt Tyner. Uh, For those of you who are local this weekend, um, I can mention to you this coming Saturday, October 20th. Oh, yes, before I forget to mention this. To all of you men who are listening out there in the listening audience, it is Sweetest Day on October 20th. Now, for those of you who have a wife or significant other at home, yes, I'm a girl. Yes, I realize it's a Hallmark holiday. Yes, I'm also a romantic, and 90% of us are. So even if you walk to the damn grocery store and you buy her one rose and a card, I guarantee you she will be your best friend forever. You forget Saturday and you say nothing about it, you're going to be in the doghouse. So I thought I'd help you all out, take my little 30 seconds here to chime about and say, take care of your wife. She takes care of you all year round. If you got to take the time to pay attention to a quote-unquote Hallmark holiday, it'll be worth it in the long run. So definitely make it a point to get out there and do something special for her. And while you are out and about and checking certain different things out, two things I wanted to mention to you. First of all, this coming Saturday, if you're in the Milwaukee area, 106 Seabooth, Bill White, very dear friend of mine, look him up on Facebook. He's got a gig going on this coming Saturday. Forgive me, I do not know the time, but please feel free to message him. I'm sure he'd appreciate your support. So without further ado, um, oh, excuse me, it looks like we had Gerard on the line, but I guess we don't yet. So forgive me. I'll continue to ramble on about this weekend to give selfless promotion to all of my friends. Um, so again, Bill White, 106 Seabooth, this coming Saturday for Sweetest Day. It's, right, it's located right next door to the Screaming Tuna restaurant. So definitely make it a point to go out there. He, along with his musical partner, LJ, will be playing. They would certainly appreciate all of the uh, support. I can also tell you uh, this coming Friday night, head on out around 9 o'clock, 9.30 to Saloon on Calhoun. My best friend and soul sister, Annie B., will be playing. I think we finally have Gerard, so we're going to get to him. Good evening, Gerard. Good evening, Cindy. Hello? How are you? Yes, good evening, Cindy. How are you? I'm well. Oh, good. I'm very excited about this interview. 
<laughs> I'm very excited. Great. I, I've Great. done a lot of research. I have a ton of questions for you. So um, let's get right to it, shall we? We shall. Okay. Um, first of all, I wanted to say that it seems only fitting to start the interview off by just stating that I think that you're just an array of talents embodied in just one neat little package. <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that out there. Um, I wanted to kind of right. trace back to your origins to maybe help our audience in learning how you became the person you are right now. Um, sure. and I understand that you derive from an Irish family. So maybe um, if you could just enlighten us on some of your childhood memories and how they kind of played a part in determining your future career path. Well, that's a very interesting question. Um, yes, both of my parents are from Ireland. Uh, my father's from uh, the north uh, part of the country, uh, from County Tyrone, and my mother's from the free state, County Clare, on the west coast. So, And then I was born in the Bronx. So okay. I was fortunate to be able to travel to Ireland, both to Clare and to Tyrone, since I'm an infant. Uh, and it definitely, uh, obviously, influenced me. The Irish are great storytellers and um, survivors, and that uh, I'd like to think that I had no choice in the matter, but that some of those traits are obviously in my genetic makeup. So uh, I, I am the way, just how I came out, really, because of my okay. parents. But... Um, Traveling to Ireland uh, made me appreciate how great my life was. Not that they were hard up in Ireland, but mm -hmm. I really came to appreciate uh, New York and New York City uh, from a young age with all the opportunity that uh, that we have here. Okay, gotcha. Hmm. Okay, now I found this interesting. Now you stated that... Uh, your bug for acting initiated somewhere around grammar school, and that additionally your flair for throwing a good party was established um, somewhere around being a teenager is, is what I'm ascertaining. Um, at what point do you think you personally, you firmly decided the direction in which you wanted your life to venture into? Well, <clears throat> I uh, yeah, I did a little bit of acting in uh, grammar school, and I remember the sensation that I had um, in anticipation of the upcoming performance and then the uh, exultation immediately upon its finish and then the realization was wow that's it I don't get to do that again for another year till next year so it was very interesting how uh, the, uh, the the feelings that I felt from it and then I got into sports and I had dreams, like everyone else, of being an actor or in a rock and roll band. But um, my life led me away from that. And then recently, in the last couple of years, uh, as a result of my job here at Webster Hall, I'm the general manager at the legendary and world-famous uh, Webster Hall in New York City. Um, so I, I lost my train of thought there. Webster Hall. <laughs> well, hopefully. Well, we what was the question you asked me? No, no, no. That's fine. I can go ahead and I can repeat it. Basically, I'm just trying to figure out at what point. Here you are. You're going along, and obviously, you're getting your education, and, and you're saying to yourself, "Okay, to what point did you say, okay, I want to go towards this field or this field, or I want to explore this or this, knowing that acting's back here and this is back here? What kind of led you to where you're, to what direction you're going oh. in?" Yes, I remember the. Well, I, I I began to say that um, I did. I have choice in where I ended up. Yes, but to a certain degree, I did not. Uh, I finished Fordham University. I went immediately out to the Hamptons. Did a extended summer tour in the Hamptons. Arrived back in the old homestead in my house in Hicksville that I grew up in that I hadn't lived in in four or five years. I was there unemployed for not very long, not very long, but I was broke. I returned from the Hamptons with not 
two nickels to rub together. So I remember <laughs> with my college education, I was borrowing money from my little sister that she made babysitting. She's 10 years younger than me. Um, huh. So uh, my dad banged on the wall and stomped up the stairs and threw down the New York Sunday Times at me and said, find a job. So I looked through the Times, and uh, there was, uh, at that time, in 19, in uh, December of 1993, there was no Internet. I mean, there may have been, but uh, we got our job uh, listings in the Village Voice that he waited online for on Wednesday evenings uh, in Greenwich Village, and then from the Sunday Times. So the uh, I'll never forget the ad. It said, um, nightclub manager wanted. Five years, New York City experience, um, 40,000 square feet of adventure. So I'll never forget it. I sat up in the bed because it struck me. I said, that's my job. I didn't intend to go into the nightclub business. I had just graduated with a marketing degree, with a business degree from Fordham University. So I saw this ad, and I came in, and uh, to make a long story short, I, uh, I got the job at Webster Hall. So that's how I ended up in, I was, that was in 19, uh, I was 23 or 24, I believe. Okay. And I came in as a manager. I came in as a manager and then um, uh, within, I don't know, about two years, I was the general manager. And then I reached the ceiling in the company that I couldn't go any further in rank or wage. So I embarked on a career of entrepreneurship that took me from Hunter Mountain, New York, to Montauk, New York, to City Island, New York, to Albany, New York, and then finally 10 years later I landed back at Webster Hall uh, on Halloween. Uh, this Halloween will be five years that I'm back here at Webster Hall on a daily basis. I worked here for about five years, and then I opened up a bunch of businesses on my own, bars, clubs, restaurants for 10 years. And then uh, I arrived uh, back here at Webster Hall, and we hired uh, this video crew in 08 to archive our history. And we began with the crew following us on the big holidays. It was New Year's Eve, Halloween, St. Patrick's Day, and a few others. So this video team followed us around. They got 100 hours of footage over however many months of shooting, and um, we cut a few videos out of it. So these documentarians, these young filmmakers, who would rather be making films but had to make money doing other things, playing the game like we all do, uh, they... Um, took an interest in me, uh, Greg Domenico and Jerry Zecker. And these men, uh, Greg Domenico said to me, Gerard, you have a presence, and uh, he said, one day you will be my muse. So I said, okay, yeah, great. <laughs> so the minute I left his presence, I went to look up the word muse, which I had an idea of what it meant, but I didn't exactly know, you know. So I said, all right, mm -hmm. what's this guy talking about? So when I saw the <laughs> the definition. I said, oh, man. Uh, yep. What does he see? So, um, he said then, uh, I don't know, about six months later, he was on a sabbatical to Spain in Spain, and he called me. Say, uh, he said, I have the concept for the film. I'm going to write a film for you. I said, all right, Greg. Well, I'm not an actor. He said, don't you worry <laughs> about it. So we saw this photograph by a man called Paul McDonough that he shot in the 70s in New York City. It's like a, a priest walking down mm -hmm. Midtown. It seems to me to be somewhere in the 30s or 40s. Maybe it's Times Square, maybe it's Herald Square, I don't know. But this cool-looking priest is walking down. He's got a sort of a fedora on, uh, wayfarer, blacked-out sunglasses, and he's got a sophisticated... Uh, young, well-dressed beauty strolling next to him. Whether they were together or not, who knows. But it's a, full, a famous shot by Paul McDonough. So mm -hmm. while in Spain, Greg Domenico uh, came across this photo and said, that's it. 
I'm, I'm going to write Gerard's going to be a priest. And then it just so happens serendipitously that he hears this song called Hip Priest by, I believe the name of the band is The Fall. Yep. So now, now his brain's going to explode. <laughs> he's got the photograph. He's got the song. He's got the name of the movie. Now he's got to come up with a script. So six months after he tells me he's going to write the script, he comes back and says, Gerard, I've begun writing the script. I said, oh, yeah, okay, great. Who's going to, where's your actor, <laughs> Greg? I'm a nightclub <laughs> manager, for God's sakes. Right. So that was six months. Then, anyway, about uh, a year after his, um, about a year after his uh, epiphany in Spain, Greg comes to me with the script. He goes, here it is, Gerard, your hip priest. So I go, Greg, all right, man, it's flattering. I'm not an actor. He said, read it. I wrote it for you. You just act like yourself. So that was the beginning of it. He forced me into it. He left me no chance but to uh, to perform for him. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, it was a life-changing process before we led up to... I went through the whole nine. I went to... I was involved in the casting of uh, the part for the girl in uh, the movie that was played by Sharon Angela. I met Sharon Angela. This woman was a professional, is a professional working actress that was on The Sopranos from beginning to end. So here I am now. i got to act with a pro. It, it was, it was uh, intimidating because my, ah. personality, my, it is, my personality is such that I'm a wallflower. You know, yeah, I'm a rock and roller. I love The Clash and The Stones and U2 and uh, Jack White and The Killers and everybody else in between, but uh, I'm, I prefer to watch from the depths, from the back, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Greg forced me into the forefront and the, and the spotlight, and um, when I first saw the trailer that he cut of me walking down in front of the church uh, in Brooklyn, I was... First of all, I sensed relief that I wasn't embarrassed by what I was seeing. And then I felt uh, a pressure that, oh my goodness, this he might be onto something here. Um, so anyway, then we filmed, after the teaser, we raised 15, we put that one minute teaser up on Kickstarter, and we put mm-hmm. up for... And we put up for uh, Kickstarter. I don't know if if you know exactly how it goes, but if you try, if you say we want to raise ten thousand dollars in the next thirty days, and you don't reach that number, you don't get it if you've only reached you know three quarters of that number. So we said, all right, we're going to put in. We think we can film this short script in four days. So how much? That's twenty. So we put in for for, I think, a 30- or 40-day period that we wanted to raise $10,000. And we got it, and we got even a little bit more. So now it's reality. Now we're gonna, now we got to shoot a film. So once we got the money, Greg started to coach me. So Greg is my, uh, he's my mentor in, in, in this portion of my life thus far. Um, so he started giving me, he started mentally preparing me for the role, how he envisioned it from his perspective and his creativity and his vision and his mind he wrote it for me but this is how he wrote it for me so we spent many three-hour sessions together in my little apartment over in chelsea on 15th street mm-hmm. and uh, it was an awesome uh, mental exercise and it was artistic and it was creative and I'd never been involved with anything quite like it before. So I was mainly intimidated by it all. But I said, all right, you've been dreaming about this your whole life like everybody else. Now you have a chance to be in a movie. So, right. And you brought us right to Hip Priest, so we're going to talk about it some more. <laughs> you kind of switched me around. So now that we're on Hip Priest, I have more questions for you relative to this. Um, I wanted to tell the audience... Um, and this is kudos to you in large part, I have to say. The film has obviously won two awards, one from the New Media Festival and the other being from the Independent Film Quarterly Film. Um, I was curious to ask you if, and you might have answered this already, for yourself personally, was there a large amount of mental preparation for yourself in terms of acting in this production? 
Yes, there certainly was. My, I didn't have experience or reference with which to pull from or choose from. So okay. it was all new to me. I had to make discovery. So I was totally inexperienced, which I'm going to say hopefully led to some of my presence. Okay. Um, but Did you do any I am. Or? Well, my research was done mostly well. Yes, I did research since uh, I remember going to Mass every Sunday uh, at Our Lady of Mercy Parish in Hicksville, Long Island, with me, my brother and sister in the front row of my parents and I did that for you know from the age of five through uh, the age of 18 um, so yes I did plenty of preparation as far as the, the priesthood goes and Catholicism goes and uh, judgment goes uh, so yes I had reference to uh, part of the role and one of, one of my greatest, uh, uh, one of the things that was most enjoyable for me about this project that I got to tell my originally Irish mother that I was finally going to become a priest. <laughs> oh, my God. Not a real one, but, yeah, but in Ireland, one of the things is to have a priest in the family, you know? Oh, so right. we always joke. We always joked about it uh, <laughs> in New York here. Yeah, fat chance of me becoming a priest, Mom. All, all right, I'll be an altar boy. I'll go to Catholic grammar school, Catholic high school, uh, Catholic university. Um, but uh, you know as well as I do that I'm not going to end up in a priesthood. So when I brought the script uh, and I told her that I was playing a priest, she got a kick out of it. Oh, I bet. Wow, that's neat. Awesome. Yeah, it was neat. So yes, I did uh, prepare for the role. Uh, um, specifically, uh, directly prior to the filming, the, the last month leading up to it. Gotcha. Okay. And just to let the audience know, um, the production Hip Priest is basically a two-day exploration of a clergyman offering companionship to the city's forgotten, um, and it's shot exclusively in black and white, which for Cindy, you don't know this, but the listening audience should know that this is my thing, any black and white sort of anything. I was just in delight when I was told I had to sit and it. watch the production. It, it's amazing. Now, when I personally sat and I, I was watching this yesterday, and this is my own observation, and it's brilliant, by the way, and I have to say that you've carried this off amazingly well, and I am wow. absorbently <laughs> impressed for not wow. knowing you. Uh, again, I, I don't Excellent. know much except for what I've done, but I, I sat and I've watched it. Um, I, I observed myself personally. I thought you brought a sense of, of just genuine vulnerability to the character. And I wanted to ask you, from your own personal perspective, how did you wish to see your character resonate on screen? Well, I didn't have many expectations, though perhaps I had many expectations. Um, I think he came out just right. I was okay. proud of the product um, when it was finally presented. It was, uh, it was. I'm telling you, it's without, um, without sounding uh, humble. It was very humbling. It was. Uh, it's still like when people tell me, you know, like make statements to me or or give praise to me as you just did. I, I kind of like mm -hmm. almost giggle to myself, go, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's true, you know, though. It is where is this true. coming from? So I have to be able to accept that graciously mm -hmm. and uh, and genuinely, as I do, and not become overbearing about making the point that it makes me feel uncomfortable because I'm just like everybody else. I'm not particularly responsible for myself. Of course I am, but this is how I turned out. Here I am. So am I doing anything uh, out of the ordinary or extraordinary? Not really. I'm just kind of myself. And, I, and obviously the priest is, uh, is within me as, as a person with many levels and layers. Uh, so he came out just, uh, hip priest turned out pretty good, I think. Yeah, definitely so. I think you should probably prepare yourself for being told things that I've told you, and I'm sure you'll probably get used to it real quickly. I see this continuing, yeah. uh, if if that will be your pattern. Just 
lots of praise, lots of recognition. Um, I'm curious yeah. to ask you if you yourself are personally satisfied with the performance that you gave. I am. I am. After all was said and done, when I watched it the first few times, I was slightly uncomfortable. It was strange to me. Maybe that strange uh, sensation that one gets when they hear their own voice um, recorded and played back. Uh, so, but I, I'm, yeah, I, be I believe I answered the question without going around and around again. Yes, there you go. Um, and just, I have to ask this question, because when I first watched the teaser, the first thing I thought of was, I want to know where the swagger came from. When you walk <laughs> in that teaser, I'm like, I'm just wondering, does Gerard really walk that way, or is that part <laughs> of the actual production? So I have to ask, is that you, or is that the pre -thing? Well, you know, it, it's like, I, I kind of, I kind of, um, sometimes when I'm walking down the street, I feel like I'm in a video game particularly if I have some music going. So today I kind of uh, subtly just walked down the street to the Shane McGowan that I was listening to. And, uh, you know, part of it, yeah, I guess he said, Gerard, just walk down the street like you own it. Mm -hmm. That's what he said. So here I am, the priest, and and he had me walk right by the cathedral there. So... It was it was something it was just something special that happened. It was just something special. I smoke cigarettes. Uh, I have a Zippo lighter. All that clothing that I wear, like you, you could come here Saturday night and see me in that exact outfit. <laughs> oh my gosh! Look at Minus that. the collar. Minus the collar, <laughs> of course. And the Minus socks the would be right, and they'd be fixed, and all that stuff. You wouldn't be disheveled as you appear to be there. No, that's my style. That's kind of like my personal style. Ah, okay. I gotcha. And you played it off very well. I, I just, like I said, I was so curious about that swagger because I'm like, you could just really tell as you were walking, there's that confidence and then there's just that, that presence that you bring. And so sometimes people have that in them and sometimes they act very well. So I think we figured out that it's just you. Kudos to you. You're getting more impressive by the minute, Gerard. Wow. And we're only how many minutes into it? This is awesome. Okay, I have some questions. Um, just general questions, because people want to know about you, obviously. First off, Please. I'm wondering, were there periods in your life where, where your mom and dad had kind of swayed you to, a, and forgive me if this isn't insulting at all, a quote-unquote professional career, meaning like a position where you're not having as many hours, less time constraints, less pressure? Do they want you to say, hey, here's my degree, go do this, and this is an eight-to-five job? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. Um, my parents... Education was the number one thing. They they left their homeland uh, with you know some bit of a lack of education. So that's they worked their entire careers to number one get us educated. Okay. So the fact that like they they pushed me through college. I would never have had the discipline to pull off such a stunt myself when I hear that different kids the way they do it I say wow I, I had it easy although I still to this day have student loans and I'm paying off <laughs> but that's part of it oh, okay. so okay. Um, uh, my parents at the beginning no, I think they may have preferred if I went into Wall Street or banking or business or law or I don't think they expected me to become a doctor, but <laughs> uh -huh. I, I can't see you doing um, that, by the way. But okay, right? Well, you know, um, yes. Well, that, that's fine. So, doc, that's some. That's that's another whole trip. The medical ah. profession. Kudos to yeah. them and taking care of us all. Um, so, um, yeah, I think they they may have initially preferred that I did something more conservative, more traditional than that, but over the years they have definitely learned that I have a serious job in a field that I'm almost like a natural for um, and that I enjoy doing and that I'm still dedicated to. They know I okay. enjoy it and it's uh, they're totally cool with it and, and proud of me. And, I, and, I, and then this whole acting thing... Um, 
my mother just kind of rolls her eyes at me. <laughs> <laughs> she says, where, where were you ever got, Gerard? Where were you ever got? Like the nerve that I have to be mm-hmm. acting as I do. <laughs> ah, gotcha. Uh, and I presume they're very old... proud of their son. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I gave him a hard time. I gave him a hard time. I was I was not an easy son to raise. High energy, wise guy, always had to have the last word, knew it all. I gave him some I gave him some slack. Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. And look at that and now look how you turned out. See? Yeah, totally. Pretty cool. Very cool. Yeah. Now I wanted to talk uh, a minute of course about Webster Hall. And, uh, again, to those who might not know this, of course, Gerard is the GM of uh, New York City's longest-running nightclub, which is Webster Hall. Now, just to toot uh, the place's horn for a minute, uh, usually you've got about, and this is what I've read, a minimum of about 5,000 patrons a week, and boasting an array of features such as uh, having concerts, fundraisers, and special events. This establishment just sounds nothing short of amazing to me. Um I wanted to ask if this was truly an occupation that you feel you carry a passion for. I mean, if you Absolutely. just immensely say, I have a passion for this. Yes, I do. It's, um, this is like la-la land. We entertain people. We give them the opportunity to let their hair down, to forget about the harsh realities of life. Life is harsh. <laughs> No Let me tell you, you talk about any individual, any family, it's part of our human condition. Life is not fair. Life is not easy. Yes, some, you know, when you look at the odds and the numbers, of course, some of us have it better than others. Some of us uh, are dealt the better hand. But uh, you just, life, one of my things that I say is life never ends. You can't get a break from it. You can't. There's no reprieve, so you better deal with it. And then some of us deal better with it than others. Some people have better uh, experience to deal with such things than others. So, okay. yeah. I'm wondering, and, and there, obviously anybody who has a passion, I have a passion for writing, I'm an author, I have a talk show, I, I love everything that I do. But I just like anyone, and I'm assuming you're the same. There's got to be a drawback to that job, huh? And if so, well, what is it? I can't really think of one. I mean, working for a living stinks. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> Ideally, none of us would have to work. But guess what? Dream on. So the only drawback is that I have to have a job at all. And if I have to have a job, this is kind of my perfect job. I mean, okay, a drawback is I wasn't, uh, uh, I didn't play for the Yankees. Hmm. Okay. okay. Big deal. All right, short of playing for the Yankees, what else would I have wanted to do? Um, I want to be an entrepreneur, which this job allows me to be. Uh, besides being the general manager at Webster Hall, I own a small rock and roll bar on the famous St. Mark's Place. Much art history, much rock and roll history on St. Mark's Place. I own a place called East Village Social, also known as EVS, um, on St. Mark's Place near Avenue A. So without my passion for my job and all the people and the network that it allows me, um, my acting career wouldn't have happened without this job. My my continued entrepreneurial success would not have happened without this job. So uh, even as with life's harsh realities, I am a fortunate guy to throw parties for a living. I mean, you know, I met Axel Rose, Paul Simon, Patti Smith, and the Killers, Kings of Leon, Black Keys, Marcy. I could go on and on and on. And... I can't, and then all the hip-hop stars I've met, they all come through here. All the rock and roll stars at CMJ here this week. We did 20 bands yesterday. We're doing 20, 19 or 21 bands today, in one day, under one roof. Amazing. Wow. So the opportunity that this building, that this historically designated uh, art and 
Music House brings to people is is historical, and I try to spread it around to as many people as I can. So I get to to share <laughs> my glorious job and existence with thousands of people a week, and I am passionate for my job. We dispense alcohol here. Um, <laughs> you know, you want you <laughs> want to talk thing. about you know you want to talk about drugs. Alcohol is the number one gateway drug. I don't yeah, care about anything else. You can talk about people's drinks getting roofied or date rape drugs or 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 these sort of things. The number one cause of all of these things that happen comes from alcohol. Mm-hmm. So the point is the state of New York grants us the privilege to dispense it. And I take that extremely seriously, that nobody will get hurt while we're on the job here in Webster Hall. There's, the ownership gives us uh, the Ballinger family, Lon Ballinger, uh, the owner of Webster Hall, his two brothers, Douglas and Stephen. They give us the, the resources to dispense alcohol um, responsibly and efficiently so we we take that very seriously we have a great relationship with our neighbors and we have a great relationship with the local community board and we have a great relationship with the um, NYPD and the FDNY and anybody else who um, who we affect so yes I love my job Wonderful, and you know, it led, you just led me right to my next question. Was just to kind of touch on East Village Social because I know that that's a relatively new thing for you as of earlier this year. I was just wondering how that kind of the whole opportunity came up. Um, what made you want to embark upon getting another venture going like that? Well, the time had come. I'm project oriented. Uh, I hadn't opened a business because I was concentrating and dedicating um, my life to my career. Okay. which is running New York City's largest and longest-running nightclub. And again, as a result of that, uh, I met people. Opportunities were coming at me here and there, and uh, a good opportunity presented itself. And myself and my partner, Tony Lopez, who is the controller here at Webster Hall, and uh, a young lady by the name of uh, Deirdre Patton, Dee Dee Patton, we put our brains together and our money together, particularly Tony's money, um, and we went for it. And we are so far prospering for and from our risk. Okay. That's wonderful. I'm glad to hear it. I shall have to tell that out to my, my friends in New York and New Jersey. Yeah, please. And all the surrounding areas and let them know that you're there. Because I honestly didn't yeah, know anything be... about Webster Hall until today. I love it. Uh, definitely. Now, um, I wanted to mention to you that I find this fascinating because, first of all, I don't know what it is, but apparently you are the founder of the Quarterly Arts Soiree. So can you kind of elaborate on that a bit for me? Sure. I was, uh, yeah, I, I've always been inspired and frustrated by artists because they need an outlet and then if they get the outlet, people have to, in order to have any sort of success, uh, the numbers of people need to appreciate and, and like your work. And there are so many great artists that never get recognition from many or all of the people that they wish to get it from. So I was living up in Hunter Mountain, and it's a remote place, only two hours from New York City, and there were all these artists, and I said, man, I really wish I had somebody, somewhere to put them all. Man, I wish I could I could give them a space. So it was on my mind for a couple of years, and um, I was working back here at Webster Hall for, for over a year, and I had become uh, familiar with many of the neighbors on the block because we extend them courtesy to all our shows. So this one young woman uh, took me up on on uh, 
that generous offer from Webster Hall to attend shows on several occasions, and she stopped me one day after show and she said, Gerard, I, I, I almost feel bad <laughs> continuing to ask you to come to the shows. Is there anything I could ever do for you? And I said, well, I've had this pressing idea. And I said, I just don't know how to do it or I need help doing it. And she said, go ahead, hit me. Maybe I can help. So I said, I want to curate art shows here at Webster Hall. And her, Jennifer's face dropped. I said, what's wrong? She said, I'm an art curator in Chelsea. <laughs> wow. I didn't know this girl. We'd never spoken. We'd only exchanged niceties on the ten times we'd met over the previous year. So that was the start of the QAS. Uh, Jenny Mushkin and I, um, she lived directly across the street from Webster Hall. We're a gigantic nightclub, 40,000 square feet on a residential street in New York City. Um, it's an interesting dynamic. We uh, coexist with a thousand neighbors that live literally 30 feet from our building. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, Jenny and I just put our uh, brains together, as I say, and we came up with this um, beautiful event where we give artists, upcoming artists, artists of promise, uh, a launching board for themselves. We don't offer them any pay, but we offer them exposure, and we offer them um, that they can, for the rest of their careers, say they first showed in New York City at Webster Hall, or they did their first gig at Webster Hall, or their first gallery at Webster Hall. So um, we had this great event, the first event 2,000 people showed up to. And we, wow. uh, yeah, and it's hard to turn this nightclub into a gallery for a day. It's a massive production. We had artists from all genres. Um, we did poetry and dance and spoken word and live theater and performance art and bands and uh, painters and filmmakers and illustrators and others. We had people were walking around. We made their heads spin. They didn't know what had hit them. So it's been extremely satisfying to be able to share Again, I mentioned it before, my opportunities with all these people. It's great. It's a lovely thing. The the owners give us the building for the day. It, it would it would be prohibitive prohibitive to us otherwise monetarily and economically. There's no way we could this little art group that we have could raise the money to be able to afford to rent Webster Hall for the day. Uh, Definitely. So it comes again, it stems from the ownership and from the the history of um, this building in the East Village in New York City. Gotcha. Now, I wanted to um, quote, uh, in just doing research, uh, these are things that you've said about yourself. Now, I've read that you're the type of man who thrives under pressure, sees himself as a mentor and a protege. And moreover, this I was shocked to read, that you actually ride your Harley 12 months out of a year. Is that correct? <laughs> That's correct. Because I live in the Midwest. I'm a Wisconsin girl. And, of course, if you know anything yeah. about Wisconsin, you know, we got like four months of snow here. I got a bunch of buddies that are on their Harleys all the time. They hate to put yeah. them away. And I'm thinking, how is this? How do you manage to ride your Harley 12 months a year? Explain, please. Well, listen, I'm, I'm nowhere near these uh, hardcore people that men and women that you just mentioned out <laughs> out west there i mean that's yes. some serious weather now i will uh agree to yes i do ride my motorcycle in manhattan 12 months a year i live i, I work on 11th street between third and fourth i live over on 15th uh at 8th avenue so i can walk it in 11 minutes or i take the l train in less time than that or I blaze over on my little bike. It's only a few blocks. So, you know, if it's snowing out, I don't ride it. I, if it's raining, I ride it sometimes. If it's raining and it's in the 30s, I don't ride it because okay. that's when it gets <laughs> icy. Yeah, of but, uh, of yeah, I don't yeah, go yeah. far. I don't go far, okay. let me tell you. It's, it's just uh, amazing to me. I read the statement. I'm like, what? 12 months out of a year? I'm like, no, there's no way. <laughs> 
<laughs> just saying, just throwing it out there, of course. You know. yeah. um, I, I want to ask you, what one thing could you disclose about yourself that we may be surprised to know about you? What's one thing that would be like, really, him? Something about mm. yourself. Well, I haven't had a drink in 15 years. Oh, congratulations. But That's amazing. A drink of alcohol. That's yeah, what I got. I, That's uh, amazing. I put, yeah, I put it behind me. I've been there, done that, and I moved on. Not everybody needs to. Some of us do. So I was fortunate enough to uh, have made that decision for myself. Gotcha. That's very impressive. Very impressive. Yeah. Now, my last Thanks. question to you. Um, so get ready to get blushy because I know you don't take compliments well. Um, my <laughs> view of Gerard uh, summed up basically in four things. Vibrant, eclectic, hardworking, and highly accomplished. Um, now, looking mm-hmm. forward, what direction do you wish uh, to see yourself progressing? Uh, what's gonna? What's your future? What do you see? Where? Where's your plateau? Is there a plateau? Where? To what end is Gerard going to be like? Okay, I'm satisfied. Or what's going to happen now? Uh, hmm. You know, that's a that's a valid question. Thank you. Uh, yes, of course. Um, hmm. I. I think, uh, I don't know if I could, could, the plateau will be to be doing kind of exactly what I'm doing for the rest of my career. If I can have uh, uh, several projects going at one time, uh, you know, my own little bar there, and then my my career in the nightclub business and as a general manager here at at Webster Hall for the better part of uh, many of the years since 1993. and then have my acting career all going great. I'd like to do. I'd like to travel the world. I haven't okay. traveled to as many places as I'd like to. I've been to Europe and, and, and several countries in Europe, and I was out in Hawaii, and I've been to South America. I've been uh, north to Canada, but I have to make it uh, out east and uh, up north, and uh, and of course down south so if I could ever have uh, the uh, luxury of being able to travel um, that would be satisfying okay so that means you'd be willing or uh, interested in acting again oh yeah I'm I'm actively um, seeking that lifestyle as we speak I was going to say, yes, and you should stay in contact with me. You'd be perfect for something. I have a friend who yeah. has, a, has a short film, actually. And so we Great. should talk um, about that when we're not on the yeah, air. Well, <laughs> yes, of course, Cindy. I'll, uh, I will stay in touch with you. Definitely. Now, I uh, before I let you go, I'm going to give the rundown of every way to reach you. So if you just want to listen to this real quickly, let me know if I've, if I've missed anything. Gerard is on Facebook. Um, it, which is Gerard, and last name again spelled M-C-N-A-M-E-E. What I did not know until today is it's actually Junior. So you have That's to put correct. that entire name in, and you can like him on Facebook. As far as Webster Hall, website is www.websterhall.com. They also have a Twitter presence, and their handle is at Webster Hall. They're also located on Facebook, which is Webster Hall, New York City. And as far as Hip Priest, which, of course, I wholeheartedly advocate, I'm also going to be spending this, sending this out to all 500 of my friends tonight, and I expect every one of them to check this out. It's not going to be earth-shattering, people. It's 28 minutes out of your life. And I have to say again, kudos to Gerard because he's eclectic. He's amazing. He makes you want to watch for 28 minutes. And even though it's only 28 minutes, it's a very profound, very well very detailed account of this individual. You kind of get the sense of you're very well placed for this role. So to my friends, the people that are listening, to everyone who listens to this archive show, check out The Hip Priest. And obviously, of course, they're located on Facebook, which is Hip Priest 2011. Um, Gerard, my question, I tried to link up on Twitter with the uh, Hip Priest NYC, and it's not letting me do that. So I'm not sure. Is that Mm. active still, do you know? or Mm. Mm. I'm unable to Uh, do so, so I'm... I'm not sure. Good question. I I I I don't know. It should be. I'm going to find out about it when I get off the phone with you. I, I definitely. Aware. If you wouldn't mind that, I can go ahead and post that information. So if anybody checks on Facebook, Hip Freeze 2011, certainly on the internet as well. Um, it's still on Kickstart, correct? 
Hip Priest? Yes, it is. Okay. I was going to say that's probably the easiest place for you folks to go ahead and check that out. I'm also going to be posting all of this on my link, on my Facebook, on my Twitter, so that all the information will be there as well as on my show page. As for you, Mr. Gerard, um, again, I'm very impressed. I'm in awe, which does not always happen necessarily. I'm not usually always impressed by someone I've done two days of research with. But you are amazingly <laughs> as impressive on the phone as you are in reading the things that I have read. I would certainly hope that when I make my trip to New York City, which will be before the end of this year, if Beautiful. I come knocking on Webster Hall and I do not see you, I will be disappointed. We will meet. I would definitely, definitely enjoy that, uh, certainly. And keep in mind, if you wish to come back on the show, talk about events you've got going on at Webster Hall or any of the other ventures, please, please, you have an open invitation to come back on my show anytime. Oh, I'm going to take you up on that. That's. Uh, I was hoping that uh, that you would give me that opportunity. And, oh, definitely. You are uh, more than appreciate... welcome to anytime. I appreciate everyone's time, the audience and your time and anybody else that uh, that granted us their uh their life for these few minutes today. Oh, definitely. And what? Uh, just to let you know, and if you want to let you know on your side of the fence to everybody you know, and I'll tell the listening audience right now, once we get off the line with Gerard shortly in the next 10 or 15 minutes, uh, our show tonight will become an archived episode. So at any given point in time, all year round, if somebody wants to come back and listen to your interview, it will be here on my Blog Talk radio show, in addition to which, in the next few days, this will be put onto YouTube. So this will become a national feed so anyone can actually listen to our interview. So this way there's a closure cool. given to you threefold. So I thank you so much for your time because I know it's so pressing because I know you're always running around, so I will let you go back to your endeavors. But thank you so much for the time you gave me. It's my pleasure, and we'll speak again, Cindy. I would appreciate that, Gerard. You have a lovely evening. Okay, good night now. Good night. All right, folks, that was my uh, official interview with Gerard McNamee. Uh, again, I just have to say, so very impressed. Absolutely wonderful time we had this evening. I want to thank the listening audience for taking their time to listen to my show tonight. And again, just as a reminder, tomorrow evening my show is at 6.30. Michelle Hutchins will be on, which is the uh, Mile High Medium. So please feel free to tune in tomorrow night, and I look forward to speaking to you then. You have a good evening. <laughs>